0: All right check one check two are we here in the building price are we here in the building yes we yes are. we are kylie are we here in the building yes we exist we're thriving
1: good morning
0: <laughs> we are in the zoom room building <laughs> the virtual building uh our new cyberpunk of the year is zoom rooms uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right let me cut to chase welcome back we are back from a long hiatus lady blurred sings the blues here. Um, We're back on a wonderful, nice, peaceful Sunday morning, maybe Sunday afternoon on the East Coast. Um, I am sometimes V. Over to my right is Kylie Too Smart, and over to my left is Priorist the Testament. We're here to grace you with some wisdom and some nice insights for uh, what we've discovered in our lifetimes. But before we get right into it, I just want to wish everyone here a happy Pride happy, embrace the sexualities. Um, it's, it's a good month to, you know, to making sure that not only that we celebrate, but we keep lifting the things that still need to be addressed in our communities uh, regarding, like, health care, um, you know, oppressed treatment in the workplace, like, you, you know, name it all, That the things that us gays, <laughs> lesbians, bisexuals, all the sexuals (laughs) have encountered in our day-to-day basis. So um, it's also to bring visibility as well as celebration. So um, happy pride to all. Um, So going into how's our week, let's start with Kylie. How's your week going?
1: Hey, uh, my week has been uh, fantastic. I have some major life updates. Huzzah, huzzah. I started working with a chiropractor actually a group of chiropractors in Monterey Um, so that just allows me to move a little more freely with all of the other things that I want to do on the side so huzzah that's Monday Wednesday Friday in Monterey and on top of that I was able to get another studio space in San Jose with um, a group of my colleagues and so I'm in that beautiful space, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and things are, are really continuing to blossom for me, and I couldn't do that without the support of my sisterhood, without the support of the Lady Blurred's family, everybody checking on me, so thank you, thank you, thank you, like, all of our successes- and struggles and stresses and blesses uh they they just keep life interesting and keep us going on and motivated so I'm really pleased about what's been happening on that front so that portion of my week has been excellent also Pacific Grove I need to give a major shout out to Kimberly Burton Who's also my godmother uh, she is the first Vietnamese woman to be head librarian of Monterey County Yay. first hello hello first Vietnamese woman to be head historian of Monterey County she was just inducted into the Hall of Fame in Sacramento and to put the cherry on top of the Sunday wink wink nudge nudge Uh, She has also been instrumental in implementing Pacific Grove's first celebration of pride. She raised the pride flag on the 1st at noon in Pacific Grove above City Hall and above the police station. So if you guys know anything about Pacific Grove, it is historically a very white, very straight very traditional quote-unquote town. Let's talk about conservative. Conservative. It's like Uh, right next to
0: being the uh, shitty sister of Pebble Beach. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) For conservativeness. Yeah. Yes. No, true. Um, I mean, when I say that, you know, I was living in fairly nice apartments out there in arkwright and i would have kids tell me that i live in the ghetto and these are kids that have no idea what the ghetto looks like or what projects look like and i was like this is not it um y'all can take several seats uh uh to the point of you know i was stopped by police officers uh often walking to school and walking home Uh, Simply for you know being my very queer, colorful self, for being a black woman in a larger body, Um, I had the experience of having friends who were closeted during high school in PG. Um, I had friends who were targeted because they were queer, because they were gay, Um, and so to be able to see in my lifetime that Pacific Grove is now honoring Pride Month. It is a huge step. Um, And, you know, I can see that Monterey County is making a a lot of moves forward, celebrating also uh, with Tyler being the mayor. He is the first openly gay Black man to be in that position. So uh, I am celebrating way out loud this month and I can't wait to see some of these libraries, embracing some of these drag queens, reading to the children. Uh, That's what I want to see, and I see it. It's blooming, it's blossoming, so I'm having a fantastic week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love to hear it. You mean the person who is... Is it Tyler Williamson? Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's for Monterey.
1: For Monterey. Yeah, okay,
0: Mm -hmm. good, 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 good. We love to see it. Yeah. Yeah, because I will say that the last couple of mayors for like even Seaside, which is a little down the road, I really appreciated the work that they've done thus far. But like with their work, like we got to continue on, you know, building building very representative legacies that benefit different communities, not just one. <laughs> so um, happy to hear it. And also, yeah, I grew up in PG too. Very, very, very uh, cis het.
1: Sisette. <laughs> <Sishead. Sishead>. Also, <laughs> oh wait, I, I did forget. There is one more thing. I was gifted the most gorgeous book uh, from my Auntie Susan. Actually, she gave it to me on her birthday, which I thought was hilarious. She had, uh, had to pre order it for my birthday, but it's this book called Crowned. And it is uh, magical folk and fairy tales from the diaspora. It's nice. a photo album as well. So they took all of these gorgeous children throughout the diaspora and recreated, and also just told some original Black folk and fairy tales as well. And it's gorgeous,
2: oh, yeah. it's
1: stunning. Like I am thriving and living for this book. So if you want to check it out, it's uh, by Karan and Regis Bethencourt. Uh, New York Times uh, had it as their best-selling um, authors of glory as well. So. It is getting the recognition it deserves, and it's like, I can't say enough about it.
2: It's beautiful. I'm gonna buy that. That is awesome. It looks, yeah, gorgeous, stunning. I I can't wait to to get it.
1: Afrofuturism, traditionalism, just the colors. You know I love colors, come on,
2: just. Yeah, just the images are just are stunning, wow.
1: I'm oh. on. And all shades of skin, all different models, all different sizes. We are giving the babies something to look at and something to see themselves reflected in. So the yeah. representation is real.
2: I love that. Yeah. yeah I can. Let's get it. We need that. Yeah.
1: One.
2: <laughs> Thank I you for sharing,
0: it. Kylie. That that's very good news. I feel like that was like such a good way to kind of set the tone for today's episode.
2: How's your your week going? Um, My week is going awesome. Um, It's been uh, mostly prep for, I had a show um, on Friday called We Don't Need Their Approval uh, Festival, which was super awesome. That's curated by a local, uh, well, I guess he's local to here, but he lives in LA and kind of just recently came back. Um, but he, uh, Ryan Lucas, uh, runs this uh, collective called the Fresh Tribe, and he would say he doesn't run it, we all run it, I guess, but um, he curated this, this group of peers of just all different types of creatives, from photographers and videographers and uh, graphic designers and um, a lot of artists and um, just various creatives across the city, um, but there is a Fresh Tribe literally in every city. Um, He built, replicated a lot of this while he was in L.A., um, which was really awesome. It's just nice to have that sort of uh, cross-continental collaborative where you get the chance to connect with people and build with people who are, you know, share the same ethos as you do about artistry. And um, it was, I was, I had such a wonderful time on Friday. I woke up with a sore throat and thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to perform um, I'm panicking. It <laughs> just a hot mess. or I was just terrified. Um, and that I, normally, when I, you know, shock myself out, I'm like, I, I just shock myself out. So, um, somebody who already deals with exceptional stage fright, I deal like it's very difficult for me if I wake up in that kind of panic mode. But I, it was great. It was like it was so warm and welcoming that it felt like I was performing for friends. Um, even though I didn't know most of the people that were there and most of the people that came to see me were all late because he started on time, which I love. Um, I told him he is the most organized promoter that I have an, an event curator in the, in the region. Um, because generally shows don't start here on time, but it was really, it was just, it was awesome to be in, in, you know, just, I don't know, consolation with everybody and talking to met so many new people, um, who immediately were like, let's collaborate, let's do stuff, And but he, he started right on time, we ended right on time, um, it was just, it was so smoothly ran, and we had, you know, there was vendors there, um, I just, I had a really, really good time, I just set the tone for like, I had had a really tough week, and that just filled my cup back up. Um, and so, shout out to Ryan Lucas for and the Fresh Tribe for always, you know. And the goal is that we don't need their approval. This really trying to remove the idea that you need gatekeepers and you know people who are from outside of the creative economy to book you and to do things with you. That you start your own, grow your own, build your own. Yes. You know, yes. perform in your backyard if you have to, and invite your friends. Like you, you know, invite yes. your neighbors, invite your community, and to kind of steer that. And so it's a. Uh, it's and celebrating black music month um which is uh june as well as pride and so it was really awesome to you know just just to talk about that a little bit because a lot of people had a lot of i don't know maybe it was just a thing but everyone in the in the show had a lot of like um conversations within their music about uh black economics and black empowerment and that was also really great too from a community aspect and the gentleman who owned the um the venue that's called the district creative institute uh yusha assad that was my first time meeting him but he is uh he's also um an artist and i had just got put on to his music and his music had helped me through a really hard time you know like you meet somebody you're like oh shit like your music got me through such a very tough time this couple of couple of weeks um Or just this you know came out in april and since april i've been listening to that song like it's in all my playlists and and he was just like you know people are like surprised that like you're you know (laughs) that's always a thing but you never know when, when you make a song who's gonna hear it and how it will impact them and it could be in the most small intimate kind of a way but it really did impact me and i was so thankful that i got a chance to meet him and tell him how much you know it did um and to connect with him, so it was, it was just I, my, like I said, my cup was filled on so many different levels, and so I'm going to see Spider-Man today, which I didn't get a chance to do it on Friday, um, but I, uh, or yesterday, but today is my day, so I have avoided spoilers fortunately, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to see Cross the Spider-Verse, and um, yeah, this should be, it should be a good week. This is kind of opens up my performance week so I'm like I pretty much got a performance every week from or something every weekend from now through August the 18th or something so I'm like I'm looking for it's, it's the summer it's having fun it sets off performance season everybody's back outside and doing something so I'm really looking forward to that um but yeah that that has been a, a crown this week as, as a playoff of the book <laughs> it's been my magic right now so
0: i know you've been looking forward to this festival for a really long time and so i'm just happy to see that you're just in bliss right now i can see it in your face you're glowing <laughs>
1: right i'm it's She's like giving these, little mermaid vibes she said these moments
2: right you're you need them <laughs> they fit you know those little things it's like the interstitial moments in your life that fill you to the next week and i'm getting ready for the next performance which is this uh event july 1st it's called independence day it's like for indie artists in the city
0: <laughs> um, that's a good that's a good title i love yeah. it
2: <laughs> it's called independence day Independence. independence, independence that's truly out,
0: independence um, though like
2: <laughs> yeah it's so much fun and then we're doing uh finally you remember i lost a friend black indian who uh was one of the first uh, I think major label signees in the city in DC and really put us on the map for so much I mean he was touring internationally in Paris and all that stuff at like 15 or 16 years old so he um he has been a, a beacon for our community but I'm like I'm so glad I get to just you know give him proper um memorialization and like this is going to be a tribute performance everybody to him so it's, it's going to be really awesome. Yes.
0: I Celebrations and tributes is something that I feel like, spent, well, we were all gone. That well, That's what we were all doing. Um, and like, I know I'm not going to put anybody on blast, but I know like we helped, we the three of us had a lot of family things going on in the last like few weeks. And yeah. family also counts as those who are close to us and those who have also like paved the way for us and truly supported us as well. So like it's, it's, it doesn't get easier when you're older, especially when people pass away. But at the same time, if we know that we can send them off in celebration, I think that really helps, like, you know, kind of set the table on like how to honor people. Right. Um, so I, I, I really adore that from both you and Kylie that you guys are able to like, you know, make sure that people are put in celebration and whereas, like, I'm sure, like, with other folks that we probably know in our lives, that it has never been that, that, that hasn't been the case. But we learn. Oh, we yeah. learn from what we what we see, right? So
1: Put the fun in funeral. We're going to be celebrating your life. <laughs> Put the fun we're in gonna funeral. Sure, yes, we're we're going to make sure there's food. We're going to make sure there's good stories. We're going to make sure that the work that you've done have been highlighted. You're going to get all your flowers before you die and after. It's always a good send off then we need that yeah. yes yes um
0: speaking of celebrations so can i go ahead and
1: talk
0: yeah, about Be, last... yeah. Be, how is your week how is my month <laughs> um, how's your month seriously how's your month so i've been kind of like putting this kind of not super publicly because i want to honor this person's um agency to announce things but now since things kind of got on the facebook like i can now say it so, my mom, who has grown up as a black woman in America and as a black woman and conservative-ass Pacific Grove <laughs> that we just talked about, um, and when I say conservative, I'm talking about she grew up like down the street from the church that she had to attend every Sunday. Um, and I'm talking, oh I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like two to three houses. I'm not talking about like down the block. <laughs> Anywho. My mom who also has gone through, I, I think some trials and tribulations with, you know, just being in, in like, you know, very abusive relationships as well as kind of not being, having the opportunity to graduate high school like a lot of people and graduating college on the traditional track. She finally got her associate's degree and I'm very proud of her. Um, it's been a work in progress. I watched this woman go time after time, like in and out of college, trying to see if it's something that she can finish off seeing. And then like, you know, with, you know, raising three kids, like she had to like take herself back where she had to like prioritize work to make sure that she can pay rent on time. It took her a long time. And this is something that I just want to put out there out in the atmosphere that college is not easy. like college is not easy when you don't have the right support. College is not easy when you don't have the foundation to help you succeed through. Like there's a lot of privilege that goes into going to higher institutions. And that privilege comes from the foundation that is supporting these students, right? If you have a very well-rounded family who is able to like, you know, take you in if you're going through some shit during you know, college, and you're still able to complete your courses, consider yourself blessed because my mom really had to grind to get this degree. Um, and so luckily she got it and she's looking really like optimistic for her future. Granted, she is also very relatively young. Um, she had me as when she was 21. So that can give you some perspective of like, actually like how old she is. So she's not that old. Um and so i just want to say aloud that i'm very proud of her um that she's doing a really good job and i can't wait to see what that what doors that degree opens up for her um i know she's really trying hard to like stay on top with the trends of like what, what's going on in the administration world lots of changes always happen in the administration world so sometimes it's kind of like what you learn in school doesn't necessarily apply in those future job roles, but at least she got her foundation set and I'm really like happy for her. So, um, yeah, and she graduated from the same community college that I graduated from, uh, the same community college that I've known since I was like, I would say since I was like three years old. Like I remember sitting in classes with her. I remember meeting some of those counselors. I know the preschool directors of that, of that community college and they're still there. like, I know that campus like the back of my hand, and I was lucky to have support while going there. And because that college, some of the people at that college have known me for so long, that they were able to help me pave the way to graduation. So now that my mom has seen that everybody's flown out of her nest, it was her chance to actually shine and get that degree and get out of there. So really, really proud of her. Um, and to be clear, like, these things for me are not really easy for me to say aloud early, Because I don't want to jinx anything. I do believe in the power of accidentally saying something in the atmosphere too soon because you'll jinx it. Um, And so like, I know there's this whole like black girl magic movement where it's like speaking into existence, right? But sometimes you got to have a certain type of intention when you speak it into existence because you might actually jinx your chances. And so that's the reality that I've had to live. And so I didn't want to say anything until after the act has happened and that she did it. So I'm really, really happy for her. Um, so in celebration, uh, we took her out to a nice restaurant. Uh, we took her out to Tarby's Roadhouse, which by the way, apparently that restaurant is like haunted and cursed. <laughs> Which, I didn't know. I didn't know that restaurant was haunted and cursed. Like, I had to, like, double check myself to make sure there wasn't even, like, some racist stuff going on. And I'm like, I'm so sorry to take you to, like, a racist crack, like cracker barrel. Like, <laughs> but it, it was good. It was fine. The food was really, really good. Um, and... Like, luckily, Steven, my brother, who is a server in the Monterey area, and he serves like very classy restaurants, like restaurants over in Carmel, um, he knew some of the servers at Tarpy, So he was able to confirm to me, like, confirm for me, like, oh, yeah, this food is great. Like, you want to go there. And I, I'll say that my brother, as much as he's like six foot four and a giant, that boy can choose. So like when he says food is good, food is good. And I will take his word for it. <laughs> Um, so we went out and celebrate and then, um, and then like Cash and I went home and like, you know, we're just kind of like simmering in the bliss of my mom's successes. So Karen, you did it. She also, okay. Can I say something that's kind of a little sentimental? Yes. Yeah. My, I no, sent option. my mom the robe I wore when I graduated MPC <laughs> and it was like that burgundy red robe. And it was the robe I wore for the rite of pass, like the African American rite of passage, and also the graduation. So I sent it to her, and I'm like, "Hey, I wasn't sure if you got your robe yet, but I have one for you. I haven't touched it since I graduated back in 2011. It's not dusty. There's no like moth holes in it or whatever. Like it's it's good as new." And she's like, "Yeah, I'll take it." So she wore my robe when she was walking. So I thought that was kind of cute. Oh, that's
1: really keeping a legacy in it. I was gonna say I love it. So we like we've talked about like generational wealth on this show a lot. Um and this is really like the generational healing and giving back to where we've come from and recognizing like the sacrifices that people have to make to put us in positions or to pave pathways and to see that the support really does flow both ways. Sometimes V is soft V. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for
0: it. Yeah, so it, it was it's just good because like it, like like you said, like the, the it feels like things are healing, which is yeah. good. Like yeah. there's lots of scars, things are healing, things are going into its right rightful place. Um no, no, no. So kinda of moving along, I think a couple things I'll bring on so I don't accidentally like overextend myself with this section, but like I just finished our second annual virtual showcase with Chromatic Brass Collective. So Chromatic Brass Collective is, the, um, is an organization that is dedicated to the visibility of women of color who play brass instruments in the classical world. Um, but also that goes beyond that, right? So like brass playing isn't just strictly in classical or philharmonic settings. This also is in jazz. This is also in like small chamber ensembles. This is also freelance work. Um, And so long story short, historically, when women of color walk into these spaces, especially Black women, we're often questioned about our ability, even though we worked our damn to get into that damn space. So with that being said, Chromatic Brass is dedicated to celebration and uplift of these women. Um, And so we just had a showcase and it was absolutely chef's kiss. Like we had a lot of folks who did their soul, who had their solo work. Uh, We also showcased things that we did at the International Women's Brass uh, Conference that we did last year. Um, And so just a wealth of talent. And like these women are spreckled across the globe. So like we have women from the Netherlands, we have women on the East Coast, in the middle of the country, on the West Coast. So it's just also the thing to also bring visibility to is like we all don't get to play together like regularly. And if we go into a performance space, it's often rare that we see another woman of color, even in the same section as us. So like, if I see another woman in the trombone section, I'm like, heck yeah, if I see another woman of color in the brass section, I'm like, hell yeah. And it's just because of the fact that we're just so rare. And it's because of how pushed up we are in these, in these little, um, ensembles. So with all that being said. (laughs) We celebrated ourselves in our second annual virtual showcase. I'm glad to see that it happened. It went really well. I know Brandon's in the chat and he was able to chime in and see it for a little bit. So I really do love the community support for the, for the Chromatic Brass. So if anybody needs, um, to have, first of all, I will say this. We all saw that Alicia Keys video of uh, the Bridgerton tribute. All of those women were women of color. All of those women were just like in that ensemble. Even the conductor. So if we can find all ensembles like that, y'all do not have an excuse to say like, "Well, my ensemble's not diverse enough." You're not trying hard enough. You're not trying hard enough to be inclusive. So that's what I'm just gonna say and put a little nail into that. Um, and then what
2: else am I doing?
0: MagWest is happening. Come to MagWest. That's it. I'm done.
2: Come to MagWest.
0: Come to MagWest.
2: <laughs> and stop saying. I'm working I'm... too damn hard for this
0: festival. Come to this damn festival. Dip in the water. Drink some emo Okay, I can't say drink alcohol. We
2: say something about that too, because speaking of diversity, where people say they can't find us, I mean, this, the shed light. Mad or- West is diverse AF.
1: Okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you, V. Please talk about. We how- are diverse.
0: AF, you want a, a genuine, like, good time where, like, we actually have some, like, diversity efforts going on without it being diversity efforts, come to MAP West. The whole chair team is me and a Mexican guy. Okay, I'll stop.
2: Mira, we got the Mira, mira, mira. No. <laughs> There's no diversity now. It's in faces, if y'all don't come to the faces... Where there's diversity. Bam. Yeah. So I actually will like
0: to say that like, MagWest has grown a lot. MagWest has grown significantly, and I will stand here like very firmly. I don't care how many people come up to me being like, "Well, you know, in the past," I'm like, I don't care about the past. Look at the now. Look how much growth has happened now. Look who's in leadership positions. It's me. It's an, it's Ben, <laughs> I don't want to put their names on a blast cause I, did, I didn't talk to them about this before. But we have worked our asses off to make sure that what we bring in represents the people that are actually attending the event. So like, as much as like, <laughs> as much as people want to like ruminate on the past, like look into the future because there have been improvements made. I would like to say that I think we're doing a really great job with like doing our best with a smaller convention. Like we're not as big as Fanime. We're not as big as Anime Expo. We're not as big as um, EVO, right? But what I can say is like, what I really appreciate about small conventions, and this also goes into the same of like smaller concerts. Kylie and I talked talked about this, about how I cannot stand stadium concerts, but I will go to a small concert and rock the world as part of the 15 people who show up. Like, (laughs) and it's because it's more intimate it's more intimate and you actually have a more memorable time than you do at a stadium concert where you're like i'm stuck in one spot i can't even get a drink do i wait to pee later like (laughs) please don't pee on yourself at magwest but anyway my point is (laughs) my point is is like i really like magwest a lot because it is smaller and like there's lots of like there's lots of integration around people which brings bigger community collaboration amongst each other it brings a better sense of community um, people remember each other. So like when they do see each other at other events, like they're able to kind of like get together and actually have good times with each other instead of feeling lost in a really big, like a small fish in a big ocean, right? It's actually a fish in a pond. So that way, like you can actually remember everybody. So I, I. Whether that's a selling point for you or not, to me that feels like a selling point because I really do have a good time with everybody that I see there. Like the tabletop is lit, usually the tabletop de- department is super lit, I really love the people who work on the music side of things, I love the panel people, like everybody is great and I really do enjoy having a really good time with MAG West. Not to excuse MAG Fest because MAG Fest is this whole other little monster which is enjoyable, but MAG West specifically. It's it's good. It's a good time. Just show up. And also, uh, I heard rumors that the Bravo Bus is coming out. So if you know anything about Taco Bravo, do you know anything about Taco? Do you know our Lord and Savior Taco Bravo? It's no. it's a um, it's a sanctuary. <laughs> you pray you pray to it. <laughs> you actually have to get down on your knees and put your hands on the ground and pray to the ground that has blessed Campbell, California. Like you just. You have to, you have to embrace it. So anyway, I heard that the bus is coming back. So like, please, please like come through. I mean, that's not the only feature, but there's other features, but please, please enjoy yourself. Please come to the event. Um, it's happening in July, July 14th to the 16th. That also gives a chance for teachers who are usually working in August to come through. Like, cause I know there's a lot of like nerdy repressed teachers that are often like stuck behind their duties as a teacher to come out. Please come. Um, and also students. So students want to check out A smaller convention that is a little, like, I would think, like, think it's safer because it's not as massive, but students who want to come out and just check things out and get their feet wet and like what conventions are like, especially for video games and music, have them come out. It's also a perfect chance for them, if they are a music student, to jam with other bands, to get to know other bands, to get to know their community, like I mentioned. Um, so it opens the doors for different, like, networking opportunities, but I don't like to say networking because it feels kind of robotic. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a great way to just have a good weekend. Anywho, my hype train about this is done.
1: We are done. (laughs) talking. I don't think it's done. Uh, I think we need to mention at least like three more things, which is this is a queer friendly space. This is a neurodivergent friendly space. This is people across the spectrum friendly space. This is a multicultural friendly space. So there's no, there's no barrier. Just come be yourself and and enjoy. It's a family (laughs) friendly space. It has literally just been curated for everyone to have a good time, to enjoy each other's fandoms, check out the marketplace. Like there's been a ton of work that has gone into organizing to make sure that everybody can find something for themselves. That will be great.
0: Yes. You will always find something for yourself. And if you can't find something for yourself, you get to be the creator. You get to be the creator. So if you don't see something that you like, you're like, I want to do it or I want to do something. You get to do that thing. You can. And I'll be there with a massage team. Opportunities are limitless. Limitless. (laughs) But just don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't be smart. Don't be the reason why I have to create a new rule about safety. Don't be that guy.
1: Ooh, you can name it after them. (laughs) <laughs> terrible. Not you not
0: can name them. the rules after them. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Like,
1: don't pull a Kylie. Stop it.
0: Was <laughs> it Ki- Kylie? You actually were innocent the whole weekend.
1: I was. I was
0: you sure. didn't do anything bad. You actually pull never Kylie, do anything, bad great. If anything, like the worst thing that you do is like, hey, I have food, and then everybody swarms into our hotel room. That's what you do. <laughs>
1: They're sandwiches. She's giving out sandwiches.
0: They're looking at you, Grayson.
1: Yes, we're looking at you, Grayson.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, moving along. Let's talk about things that happen. So, hot out. topping. Ooh, we got a new follower. Thank you. Ooh. I see Kumori Otako.
1: Ooh.
0: Okay, we're going to go ahead and minimize down the momentum music from the legendary Mark Cooper here. Um, So let's talk, let's talk some topics. Let's talk some topics. Um, What are we talking about? So AI. AI has been the hot sauce of the week. Not hot sauce of the week, sorry. Um, baby. hot sauce, hot sauce of the last couple years. It's been in everyone's bag or the hopefully... dirty laundry bag. <laughs> mm, mm. So we got b- good cops and bad cops. So I guess the whole premise is like risk and opportunities with AI. So like, I, it's interesting. So AI kind of caught my eye as like a buzzword, um, or the buzz term. Like it's, inac- I mean, it stands for artificial intelligence. I mean, who didn't know that? Watch total recall. You'll know what that means. So, um, I guess what I'm trying to start this off with is like, there's been a lot of rep rep about, you know, AI kind of being intrusive in the art world, AI being very intrusive for job security. Um, But also there's been talk about how does AI actually help us as a tool? Um, So there's always going to be kind of like the teeter tart (laughs) teeter-totter, the teeter-totter of like, what's the actual benefit and then actually what's the downfall of AI? What do we actually need AI to do versus like, where do we need the AI to stay out of it? So um, I know that, like, I remember when Lenza came out, which was like an AI tool to make a different, bunch of different headshots, it actually extracted art styles from different artists who didn't want their art styles to be extracted from, which I feel is 100, if not 2,000 percent fair, because those artists are not getting credit, they're not getting paid. This is their livelihood. You're basically kind of saying that um, their artwork is accessible, but not worthy of being paid for. But yet, the person who's generating this app, if you want like extra micro fe- micro to enhance features, like they get paid for it, which I absolutely think is not fair. Um, but then there's tools like Chat GPT where I'm guilty of using it as a tool for when I need to, like, draft emails, templates, and you need some inspiration. Like, it's not, like, a direct copy-paste. I'm like, I'm done. It's the answer. No, it's a tool. Like, you actually have to, like, use it as a place to start and then tinker as you go along. So, I don't know. That's kind of how I'm starting this off. I see, Kylie, you are, like, nodding your head, like, let me in, coach. So, what's your thoughts on it?
1: (laughs) Uh, Um. So... I love that you said that it's a tool and that it you need to actually learn how to use it. Um, my whole grind, I guess, with AI in general, is the inherent biases for who is inputting information and where it's grabbing the information from. Because, as we all know, um, on online is a, a weird space, right? We put a veneer and a sheen on everything that we post it's not necessarily a true reflection of what's happening there's a lot of fact checking that just doesn't happen and if you are a program and you say okay i'm gonna go out and grab bits and pieces of information and try to put together a collective based on that um you're gonna get stories and we've seen stories where it's just printing out things that are completely false, or things that um, we know, if you're going to use it for, I don't know, facial recognition, or to try and anticipate crimes, or to replace hotlines. Uh, there's been a lot of stories where, you know, companies like Google are firing their ethics teams when it comes to AI, because they don't want to hear the feedback of, no, you like you still need people to regulate this. Um, There was a company um, like one of the longest standing companies uh, called NIDA that is supposed to help people who have eating disorders as a hotline and they fired all of their human staff and implemented an AI chat um, and she started giving out really harmful advice. Uh, you know telling people to diet or just <laughs> lose weight and it's like they already have eating disorders this is not this is not what you should be telling uh, mm-hmm. these people um, and so it's like you said a tool someone needs to still operate the tool um, and also we need to recognize because we are in America our experiences with AI is going to be really different than somebody who's on the other side of the world uh, is gonna have Um for instance when it comes to things like asking chat gpt about uh you know indigenous peoples asking chat gpt about enslavement asking chat gpt about water safety and fertilization the response is going to be the measured uh Response to someone who doesn't like know exactly how to process those things, or will say, like, oh, that's just in the past, or, oh, that's not an issue that's ongoing, or I don't know enough about this, or that's not happening, and you're like, but it is happening. You just have not been programmed to recognize it, or have been literally programmed to not see it at all. Um, So I think there's just a lot of fallout, and I want the Star Trek future, where... You know the machines are taking care of like our basic needs and then we get to do the art like why why is the machines doing the art and we are still laboring this this no. is a problem that's my rant i i don't like it okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't like it i'm upset um I'm, I'm verklempt about it <laughs> mm. I'm going to sit in my old lady energy and just they be like, nah. like today.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I
0: mean, that's the whole point. Like, that's a whole thing. It's like, why are we still laboring? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are we still laboring? Um,
1: why are we still laboring?
0: Yeah. Just and give everybody, give back. everybody a nice, uh, very good Rosie, the robot. And we can just sit back mm-hmm. and enjoy our lives in togas and eating grapes till our tummies so, are full. Okay. I'll stop. I know that's not it.
1: <laughs> I wish. I, I really wanted to get your take as an artist, as a vocalist, uh, as a lyricist, about what you think about you know this AI, because I think about contracts too. When you are signing to a label and they're saying, we own your image in perpetuity, and now you have a program that can hologram project you, and that can yeah. take your voice and your patterns and create new uh, content for you and I know you've done a lot of work kind of in that sphere so I, I really want to know what your thoughts are on
2: that yeah I, th- I think that's the that's extremely dangerous I think that's less dangerous than taking intellectual property overall organizational and intellectual property or um, and then as we talked about sort of scrubbing human talent as a replacement um, using AI to scrub human talent, Um, but I think there, you know, someone uh, was uh, Tom Hanks that said, you know what? I can die happily and like, they can use my image for 300 years after I'm here. You don't even know if I am still alive and and able to do film anymore Um, because that's where we are with with, um, AI tools now and being able to replicate likeness. And yeah, I think there is a, a lot of ethical considerations there and implications that people aren't thinking about and you know your likeness is is, is a lot a lot of the times part of your intellectual property it's really the only thing that you still own you know your name oftentimes you sign away so you know if you're Megan the stallion that name is not owned by her anymore right and then you know there's so many other implications of what it means to have her her face and her image a lot of the times that that's something that has been Um, you've been able to still manage as, you know, as an artist and still be able to own. But I can see that happening. You know, we talked about, I've talked about when I was doing a Marley play and, you know, the family owns his likeness. And even though they don't own all the aspects of his recordings in his his estate, they still manage. Every single person has to sign off, whether they're children, wife, you know. (laughs) Every single person has to sign off to say, this is, you're not doing harm um, or you're not posing a threat to the legacy of, of Marley. Um, and because we're still actively engaged, his legacy is still being actively sort of monetized. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a, I, Timbaland and some of the comments that he's made, I'm really disappointed in as a creator to um, insinuate that, like, I can take someone's voice and replicate it. Yeah, no, I finally get to make an album with Biggie and utilize his voice. And it's like, but did he want to make that album? Um, the assumption, you know, people equating it to, I think, to sampling has also been frustrating because I'm like, there's, there is an opportunity for the artist if, or their state to still say, I disagree with this, right? The, I, I don't like that you did this. Even if I may not own the I may not own the recording anymore. Maybe the the um, the property holder gave you, you know, rights to sample this music. But as in Tume, I didn't want you to use the song. Um, mm-hmm. or whatever. His children may have said that. And so you there is a point or part of that where I'm less like, Yeah, there the artist still has the ability to say have some regulatory pressure. You know, it, it, to say when it um, gosh, when uh when um Etta James said she didn't want Beyonce to remake, you know, at last. It was like, I I vehemently disagree. She doesn't own the song. She has no rights to to determine whether Beyonce could make the song, but by her expressing her, you know, vehemently, like, (laughs) against this, it was some sort of regulation, I think, around it to be like, okay, you're not in compliance with what the original artist wanted, and then you can go about your way. There's some governance in place appropriate sort of guardrail and I think that we have to put that back into it. what are the sort of legal implications but the ethical and moral considerations too and the fact that like one thing that gets me is Kylie what you said around we we somehow have displaced the intelligence of emotion that it very much overrides uh, rational classifications of things so sometimes things are beyond pattern making you think about the fact of like a lot of our um, our creations in this world are actually not products of um, you know sort of in- intellect they're products of what were mundane tasks that people are trying to simplify but in novel and insightful ways and it's like it's like the urinal you know going in a the bathroom there, that may not be logical in a space you might say in the space in a house that's not the most logical place for a urinal to go however you know, because emotional, the formal reasoning that you have as a human being that overrides that, what, the knowledge of the past and rewriting, the revising of the past. I think you mentioned that too. That is something that also scares me. It's like, yeah, because now you're, you know, you're taking out the complex emotions and anxieties and creativity gets lost when you don't have those things. Um, because it may be an error. You know, a lot of the things, the things that we have, we all know, penicillin, <laughs> which is a life-saving, you know, drug, life-saving um, antibiotic was created on an accident. The lights, you know, light was created on an accident. The filament that was, that pilot's light, all of those things are accidental creations that we've benefited from. And so it's just like, we're, we won't have those opportunities as long as we, you know, highlight uh, artificial intelligence over emotion. Mm -hmm. And
1: another note, I see you leaning in V2. The the other note that I got just from, because I was fascinated, I've been on this this whole chat GPT, it's been in my lexicon lately, uh, because I, I have a friend who's using it to process and help him edit his book which is like 835 pages um it's an amalgamation of all of these uh economic study books that he's read throughout his life and at the beginning the feedback he was getting was very positive and using mirroring the type of language that he was using um but as soon as it got into intersectionalities of in economy and and what happens um capitalism it started getting weird pushback and it started being like oh I don't know that this is correct even though this is you know this is just pure facts you know his book is not uh, like an opinion piece Um, and so I just think that that's really interesting to get that type of pushback but also in terms of you know AI being able to conflate emotions so it's like, if you feed it so many pictures of bonfires and all the comments it reads under like pictures of bonfires and camping is like, oh, this is so nice, this is so beautiful, it's cozy, it's, you know, friendship, it's a good time. It can't differentiate than if you show it a picture of a bonfire where it's just a bunch of banned books being burned, and it's like, oh, this is a good time, <laughs> this is friendship, this is unity. And you're like, no, this is a book burning where... <laughs> Uh, we are now seeing a literal rewriting of history. Uh, and so that is also a huge problem or, you know, issue that I have is just, it doesn't have the emotional awareness to do that. V, I see you.
0: Oh no, no, I'm just listening. I'm doing a lot of active <laughs> listening. Um, so like basically what I'm hearing from both of you guys is like it, with relying too heavy on AI tools, it takes away from emotion and authenticity, right? And there's also because of how what we feed it and the patterns that we feed AI to use those patterns to create results. It also can take away facts. Um like factual information and factual you know requests. Um and so I hear that. Um which you know, Kylie, you were already leaning for it, but it can be racist. Like racist as heck it's it's racist in a way that it's erasure um that it leans towards you know the whitewashing of what actual history is um and how like your friend who's trying to write this book is trying to put in facts but then if the ai is trying to deviate away from those facts it's like you know when people write a book that's their opinion and that's their research right and if the ai tries to take that away that in a way the tool itself is becoming like you know racist i'm not trying to say like what in a way where it's like oh no like i am a really angry person who doesn't believe in like what is actually historical like it, it's not the the ai is not trying to be adamantly racist but it's because of the information it's fed by default becomes that right
2: um and even, and even people that are i mean i have uh, co-workers who have been very casually Using Grantable, which is an AI grant writing tool. And the same thing, by we actually, I work for organizations. I mean, in my whole entire career, I've worked for organizations that have raised funds for marginalized communities, for historically excluded communities. And even the language, right? It's like the difference between marginalized and historically excluded versus saying underserved or under resourced. Those are bad, those words are not accurate because that puts the onus on. Uh, the population that has been excluded it's like no there was there was an action was a, the, the consequence is the consequence but let's focus on the cause which is that there has been and i think that the prompts right she uploads had to upload like five or six proposals or something but then you think about the fact it's trained based on the language that she uses and she's training her particular algorithm to base it whether or not you know by default you are you, we have our own bias um and i think that is difficult too because the prompts are inherently you know stereotypical and biased there's we all have that bias so doesn't matter who you are um when you are just putting in language and you're kind of asking it to spit it back to you it's like it's revisionist because you're I can say, hey, I call a fire this, you know, I call a fire a flame, and you call it a fire. And the word may have different, flame has different implications than fire does. It may have different colloquial, you know, connotations than fire does. So it's the fact that she used that word, which now may have some bias associated with it, that I don't have, you know, or especially when it comes to economic and sort of resource constrained communities, because it's like, yeah, you, you may not have a, uh, I don't know, a foyer or something like that, right? You may not have, your home may not be built with a foyer. And to assume that every home is now built that way. So when you're writing something, it's like, okay, let me put this together, this this plan for this home. And it now has, every home has a foyer. And that's just not economically um, literate. You know, it's not economically viable for for everybody in the world to have that. So.
1: I love that we're bringing up homes <laughs> because it, it does speak to the change of language too. Um, I was watching like a lot, I've been watching a lot of renovation shows and things like that. And the fact that like they no longer use the term like master bedroom in a lot of these shows. Oh, thank God, would, <laughs> sorry. Would, would, it, would, it, like, would an AI be able to understand the importance of that switch of not using master bedroom because would somebody actually say like, hey, Uh, slavery was an issue and there was the master's house and everyone else and you know this is harmful and so now we are changing the language like would they be able to grasp those concepts and it's like I don't think so unless somebody actually sat down and typed it in Um, and it's something that because I'm looking into the future and even into the now and seeing that we're using it for facial recognition and trying to use it to preemptively decide who in a space is going to be problematic and we already know that it's going to disproportionately target people of color but at the same time hasn't been designed to really be able to separate and recognize uh, black features and so you're going to get mismatches of identity you're going to get like dog whistles, you're going to get a lot of just confusion and misinformation. I I don't think that we are ready morally as a human race to do this. Blech. We need people. We need to put more humanity efforts first, which has kind of been an overarching theme within Lady Blurreds is, you know, people first, who you are as a human first. And then also, I think this ties really well into this episode for, you know, our our next segment whenever we, we move there, but really identifying people's autonomy uh, as individuals, but also as communities and human beings being recognized. Yeah, we are spiritual beings we're floating spaghetti brain monster (laughs) in a physical body and however we want to decorate our outsides we should still be respected in our our insides and our intellect and our hearts and all of it should still be respected as individuals and no matter how you choose to live behind doors in your private home you shouldn't as an individual or as a program be able to dictate what happens to an individual that has nothing to do with you. Uh, So I think there just needs to be more regulations on it, and I think we need to be really careful about how we use to apply it. And don't fire your ethics teams. When your ethics teams are saying, hey, we've noticed like this quote-unquote glitch... (laughs) <laughs> right. We've noticed a problem in this program, and you're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Let's just fire that yeah. team and bring on somebody who will work the system. That's a very, like, legalese way to deal with things. That's a very corporate, like, oh, I don't want the lawyer that's going to tell me that I can't do this legally. I want the lawyer who's going to tell me, yeah, I'll find the loophole and work around. And that's so damaging. So I just think that we need to just be better. We just need to be better human beings when it comes to the applications of
2: AI. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I agree. I totally agree with all of that. I <laughs> I have been very much inspired by all of that. I take the LSAT next week for that uh, part of the reason why i the
0: LSAT in- You're just gonna gloss over that? Right. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna gloss over that. Okay. We see you.
2: <laughs> but the, but the the whole aspect of the the moral and ethical implication of everything—it's the fact that you know. For for me, it's much more on the hiring side, employment side, right? That I've I've gotten calls because for for jobs that that I didn't want to do, that just didn't make any sense. I have no background for just specifically because people, the AI uh, talent acquisition tools have to, the ATPs determined that based on my you know university based on the places I've worked, the the connections, you know, and LinkedIn, whatever it is that they have input that I would be a a great candidate, you know, (laughs) or the predictive index, which is, you know, I had to take a predictive index to go back to a job I previously had, which is like interesting. It's like, if I was in the job before, hence, why do I need to take another predictive index but that's oh that's so oh. funny
0: sorry i'm yeah. i'm so human about checking resumes and and things because of that because you never know what you may lose by using a predictive index and then also i hate to say it but there's so many people who are hacking that to make themselves oh, more appealing and they're absolutely underqualified so that's that's the risk there i'm not saying that so, yeah. that's that I'm 100% right, but I'm saying like, I've had better success by actually looking at
1: somebody's resume. Yeah, I mean,
2: I I will say
1: like, so applying for a government job is ridiculous and their algorithm is so ridiculous that everybody just puts expert on everything because it's the only way to actually like push through. So you have to have the human because you know, like it's common knowledge now that you're just going to put expert on everything. It doesn't matter when you're putting your application if you wanted to actually get to a human, you have to do that and yeah. so then it's like we're creating the problems when we do these things uh and make it so difficult to get to a person like why why are we doing that come, come on yeah i think hire, that's... hire all the people back. Hire by the way back. by the way for anybody who's looking for a
0: job don't ever do like indeed's dead linkedin linkedin is dead like that's my opinion but like it's dead. Don't. Well, that'
2: Because most Hot of the take. folks that post jobs on there, That's the pro- they all use automated recruitment systems and automated talent acquisition processes. Go to because, a job board.
1: Go to a site job say, board. Yeah. So B, give, give us yeah. some better options because Indeed is so prolific. LinkedIn is so prolific. So where now should people be going to do the things? Yeah,
0: I say you got to go. There's a couple of things. So there's local job search firms your local job search firm i'm not saying you're you're you know there's local job search firms and even people who are contractors who are job search firms i would go to them and talk to them to see like how can i get my information in your running that's one way another way is um go to an actual job board that isn't like an independent job board like linkedin and all that stuff isn't it like I, i'm coming from like a nonprofit lens A lot of like foundational nonprofits or like nonprofits that are to serve, um, other nonprofits in the community to kind of optimize the nonprofit sector, they will all have job boards. So go to their job boards because it's most likely that the people who are asking you to submit a job application, they're kind of doing it more old school. Like they're, they're going to ask you to submit it to an, to an email, or they're going to ask you to submit it to their own bamboo HR database as an example. so try that, because um, I'm watching people agonize over putting over 200 applications through Indeed, and 200 applications on LinkedIn and any other like main like Zip Recruiter, you name it. By the way, Zip don't even bother with Zip Recruiter. <laughs> but anywho, um, yeah, just don't do that, because like I I understand, I get it. Um, you're trying to find an opportunity that aligns most with you. You're trying to find an opportunity that aligns most with your accommod- your own personal accommodations. And we're all trying to live out here, right? So, like, ha- being stuck in a place where you're enduring a lot of nonsense and even HR nonsense, that, that HR nonsense is not going to resolve for you in time because their job is often to protect the compliance of the company, not necessarily your individual needs. I get it. Like, st- sometimes starting fresh somewhere else helps um so yeah like i just i i get so sad when i see friends who are just really trying to find a job and they're good people yet and they're trying to play it by the book and yet it's just not working for them because i was there too like i was that person who was putting in like 300 job applications per week and like not getting back i'm still getting rejection emails and it's been like two years since i had a job or since i got my my recent role um, Primus, I, I, I see that you also may have expertise in this too so if you have any gems to drop in that.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I th- I mean, to me it's, I, I go back very old school to say the best way to do it is to network. I mean you, you know, you see someone, I use LinkedIn as a tool to actually determine someone who works at an organization that I want to work at and I connect with them, you know, there's um there are so many scripts now that are on LinkedIn that you can borrow to sort of intro yourself and then ask to let them know hey I'm looking at exposition um, I'd like some insights from you one because you may need salary guidance you may need you know how do your what's the the actual interview process look like um, I did that with the Amazon and I you know the, it was right before the layoffs and I uh, the recruiter actually called me and told me hey we're getting ready to ex- you know go through this um, it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm just telling you I don't you know, I wouldn't feel good faith in moving your application forward. Um, but I, I'd love to offer some additional help in other ways and maybe make some connections for you and um, and I agree with the search firms. I mean I you definitely there's an opportunity to upload your resume to for search firms and they will they will run your you know your um, resume through whatever talent base that they have to determine when there is a match um you know so it but get in touch with someone who has a, a job at the the location utilize your old you know your old networks go into whatever community but the local job fairs i think are still there there's a person usually from the talent acquisition team that's at that local job fair cuz i feel like um, things like handshake have taken that away a lot of the times yes. it's a Handshake sponsored fair where it's not really people from the or it's not really people from you know truest bank, it's people that are handshake representatives that are in a truest bank working in their capacity. And it's like they're still running you through their system so that they can just amplify their numbers. And so, how to avoid the AI is tough, but going directly to the organization, I think, too, like finding someone. I mean, if it's just someone in the team that you're like okay this person I they went to the same university I did you know sometimes you can look at in the bios on um, on the websites um of team and staff or board member board members are oftentimes I mean they have that's what they're there they're supposed to be the ambassador for the organization so you have the opportunity to ask them before you work somewhere especially if it's a nonprofit. if it's a corporate board they're probably less you know, engaged in the day-to-day stuff and, and wouldn't have that. But depending on how small the corporation is, if it's a startup, yeah, they probably halfway work for the organization in many ways. So there's nothing wrong with, with asking them, hey, I'm looking at a position. Um, I've done that before too, gotten a job because of the, a board member. And then the, again, they're gonna be honest with you and tell you, hey, I didn't like this about this organization. I do represent them, but I don't want you to get stuck in that. I don't think this is a perfect rule. And this is true. For... Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is true. I know there's been a couple times where even for volunteering for different orgs like if I get in touch with a board member, they'll straight up say like this is what you'll be getting into before Sorry, we turned into talking about AI to actually talking about job search. <laughs> but I think this is also crucial because there's same, a lot of layoffs. Yeah, same crucial. Yeah. Same yeah. same. This um, is why
1: we just talked about firing whole human teams for AI like this is the effect it's the reality yeah but they will
0: warn you because the unspoken reality is that and this is like a hard lesson I learned just like I learned this every single day is that no matter how passionate that you may become in the role that you do end up having and although like you really try to make the best of it and like you know you are suffering through a lot of like cultural like workplace culture issues it's not going to be perfect so i understand that even like with transitioning jobs that you just have to leave and rebrand yourself for a second just because of the fact that like i had a really bad time There was a lot of lessons learned but there was a lot of harm that happened in that workplace so i don't know how to continue in this workplace being so guarded all the time so i understand that that's probably the transition but sometimes even mm-hmm. with that you're always going to end up in a new spot with different problems that rhyme with the last place and so, just remember to keep that in mind. But with the transition, it gives you a chance to give yourself a cleaner slate, right? Give yourself a clean slate on how you want to navigate. Because, like, because like this gives you a chance to do some research on your on your actual um, labor laws, what your what rights you have. It gives you a chance to actually research that stuff. So then that way you know what you get into, and you know how to protect yourself better. Because like getting a job, like once you get out of college, you're like. But like, you're just like naive as hell, right? And it's not that it's not your fault. Like you tried your best to set your foundations, but at the same time, you don't know what you get into because there's this whole glorification of getting that big girl job and thinking that everything is going to be perfect and it's not. And so, um, anywho, with all that being said, I'm not trying to say like working is depressing. It's what you make it right. Um, I know Kylie who was just like a beautiful, beautiful butter bean at her last job, but that, that didn't work for her. So like she said, F this noise, I'm going to be a contractor. So like, and that's fine, but just make sure you really sit down and like get your ducks in a row and do your research. And whether if you want to be a contractor or you actually want to work on that, be a part of that W2 world, like just, just making sure that you find tools to protect yourself because sometimes you, you just can't escape the harm, no matter how much a place may preach against it. Um, and so anywho, with me being on that soapbox, I wanna close out this section by talking about like what what is the take takeaway from AI, right? Like how do we actually properly embrace AI because that's gonna be a tool that's gonna be used, it's not gonna go away. Like I think that's probably gonna be the reality of it. So like what is what do you guys feel would be the proper way to embrace it? Like if we if you had no choice but to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Yep. I knew that I was gonna get that response. <laughs>
1: I, make your Roombas smart. I don't I don't know. Make your Roombas <laughs> smart. <laughs> like give give me a companion that, that still knows how to check for the human aspect. Uh, don't you like it's to me it's just being more aware about the responsibilities that we put on it. So you know, maybe don't make your AI a therapist. Don't make your AI responsible for, you know, a suicide hotline or something that requires human touch. Use the tools as they are intended. Put them in the proper spaces. You can't eliminate human beings. I don't think that should be the, the concentration. Like, how about we use AI to actually solve and implement the changes that we need because there's no reason why in this day and age, with all of the resources that we have, that there should be infrastructure that is designed to keep scarcity intact. There should be no reason why um, we have people who are starving. There should be no reason why we have people who are homeless. I think we could really use AI to investigate companies and call out mismanagement of money. Um, We could really be using this to break up monopolies. We could really be using this to actually make sure that we have a democracy and to make sure that we are constitutional even within states. I think we could be far more intelligent about how we use uh, the AI. We could just put it to actual work instead of creating a system where we have Reinforced wage slavery, we have all of this, you know, food deserts and waste and just toxicity going on. We could really use regulation and let it problem solve, let it do something that doesn't require empathy <laughs> necessarily, <laughs> um, let it do something that requires, you know, the mathematician, the calculations, and, you know, let it actually free up individuals to be the artist Thank let you. it free up yeah. people to be able to say um, I want my Earl Grey tea hot um, you know what I mean let, let's let it do what it what would alleviate and free so much mental space and thinking for all of us yes
2: yeah um, I think yeah totally. what were your
1: th- what's your takeaway Paris
2: I, I agree with what kylie said around the the agility that should come from one i think the benefit of ai is being able to have real-time actionable insights and constant sort of data enterprising that you can that's at your your fingers um and being able to have that uh you know allows people to free up Um, eliminating some of the more human errors that um, being able to make informed decisions based on sort of an offering like more precision around those decisions around your painting a wall, for instance, that requires significant manual labor to just plan out and coordinate, designing the best way to do that. (laughs) Because that seems, you know, again, freeing up people from those intricate tasks um, or surgery where there might be an opportunity for a lot more human error or you know things like fraud detection or risk management. I think all of those are important um, regulatory types of guidelines that we could use, especially protecting citizens. Which I think Kylie said the most that I took from that is like around misuse or false premises and that kind of thing. That is such a, a good way to use it. Um, I don't think that it will <laughs> ever be used that way, but you know that would be a, a an ethical way.
0: Yeah. My short and sweet way to put it is that AI is a tool. It's not a replacement. That's it. Like, it's it's not a replacement. It's It still needs to be monitored. It still needs to be programmed. Um, like you said, Prioris, so it should reduce maybe human error for things that <laughs> are, like, really important that have historically had human error. But I don't think it should be something to replace artists or to increase the labor of people either like i think it should be something that it eases lifestyles it shouldn't be something that complicates it and right now what we're seeing is it's complicating it all right thanks ladies for for that discussion um that was very it's very good very um informative Um, so we're gonna go ahead and make a transition we're gonna talk about nerdy and i said today's not really dirty uh but you know let's pose it as the question why does my sexuality matter because there's always gonna be that talk like sexuality you know it's adam and eve and not um, adam and steve adam and steve (laughs) i was trying to find a they them way to say it
2: (laughs) just saw someone put something up like that and someone put in there it's like well, is it, everyone first of all dragged them, which I was really proud of on the, on the like Facebook, which is interesting. And then they got somebody was like, "Are you in like 1923 for that meet like that work?" Who says that anymore? And I was just like, "Yeah, this we're in a day now where people will drag you for your foolishness." Yes, <laughs> it makes me proud some days. So it's like, oh, look at the world taking care of itself again. You know, people have had enough people had enough
0: of your foolishness this is true um, but yeah I, so sexuality um, like I entered a conversation one time it was like a between beers conversation at like some sort of venue and then someone was like why does it matter about your sexuality at work why does your sexuality matter if you're straight, gay you know, asexual like why does that even need to be brought up and I'm like it does like so my angle from this is like there's a clear preference on how people engage with each other in like a workplace culture like this is like my first angle with this where for some reason it's embraced that look at my wedding photos look at my the look at my grandchildren let me talk about what my husband has done let me talk about what my spouse is doing let let me talk about this extravagant very cis heterosexual vacation has gone for me like everyone's just supposed to embrace it right um and there's no question to those people about their sexuality it's just expected that that's what their sexuality is so when you have someone come into the conversation when they come in with oh me and my partner is your and then someone goes well is your partner what gender is your partner and it's like oh they're like you know just as an example i'm not My partner currently is, is man. (laughs) But I, I'm like my part, but it's like, oh, my partner is a woman. Oh, well, I don't want to hear about that. Or like, oh, woman. And there's an immediate shift in energy with people who hear that. Like they don't know how to acclimate themselves from Uh. hearing that. And then there's assumptions. Um, And so usually when conversations like that are brought up luckily i've seen more like embrace than i've seen resistance but especially with like you know if you're working in a field where there's very like cis heterosexual people and they hear that somebody is in a relation is in a lesbian relationship like it shifts like how they're engaged at work there's less there's more resistance on wanting to interact with that person or there's um there's um this weird like just you know I guess what I'm just trying to say is like socially it's not as embraced as it is like someone who is like going off the hedges about their cis heterosexual relationship so should these things be talked about at at work most people will say like well why is that even being brought up at work but it is brought up and it's brought up like based off of like just impulse internal impulse because like of what we're conditioned to feel what is normal it's how people try to small talk with each other um, so I don't think it's a crime that someone is trying to express like what they did for the weekend with their, with their spouse. But it takes a whole different turn, I feel, when it's talked about um, when there's same sex or even if the partner is transgender, like there's a whole different mood set behind that. So anywho, Kylie, I see you Lane, I'm real heavy about this. And that's my first angle with this. I know that this conversation can blossom into different
1: avenues. So I'm here for it. Psychologically speaking, I think many people approach the question of sexuality because like whether we want to recognize it or not, a lot of people's first impressions on how they treat you are going to be based off of what they find attractive about you. And whether or not in their mind, hypothetically, they think they would have a chance to engage with you romantically or even on a friendship level. Um, And it's about how much access they could have in your life were you not in a work setting, right? Um, So I think the conversations um, around people being married, uh, people like guidelines. Um, So I think having that setting of, oh, you're married, this takes any possibility of, you know, this sexual fantasy or uh, hypothetical relationship, friendship that I'm having in my mind from actually crossing over into reality. I can keep those into two completely separate spaces and just enjoy and engage and be present in the story. I think when you throw queerness into the mix, people are bad at boundaries, and sometimes the inner voices and the inner dialogue and the, the inner storytelling then blurs into, oh wait, is this a possibility that I could bring that into the real world? Do I have an actual chance with you sexually? And sometimes immediately being like, oh no, I'm queer, is a rejection that they take personally. <laughs> like, oh, this would never happen in real life. And then you get like weird uh, issues of people feeling rejected even though that wasn't even on the table to begin with. So I think a lot of times people are reacting out of that space or feeling as if the reasons why they got married in the first place were based on social norms or based in a religious setting where it was imprinted on them that it's morally wrong to have those sexual desires or... Um, if it's not morally wrong to have those sexual desires, that now you're being overtly sexual in a space merely by recognizing the fact that you have a sexual relationship that isn't quote-unquote normal. Uh, And so I think there's just, like, a lot of weird overtly sexualization that happens with queer people to begin with, which is strange. And also, we talk a lot about representation in media. And queer representation in media is always hypersexualized, I would say um there's very rare forms like it's always some extremely dramatic case uh like you it's rare I mean I think we're getting better about it now but I would it say can't just be writing, like
0: normal like hey
1: right like there's like, just like we're just vibing <laughs> on the cheek we're chilling we're we're holding hands we're doing normal date things and normal relationship things and normal interpersonal interactions that aren't centered completely around the bedroom and around sex so even with you brought up like the talking about the family vacation um or like the very heterosexual vacation now people are like what does your vacation look like it looks like a regular (laughs) vacation What do you mean? Like, I'm a people. We're doing people things. Um, yeah, I guess uh, in that
0: example, I was trying to, like, highlight more, like, how it's like, well, my, like, me as a woman talking about my husband and my kids. Like, it's it's just heterosexual. That's okay. It's not saying, like, oh, go have sex, uh, heterosexual sex. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, oh, this is your, your very emphasis on the, the family structure that you have right now that is stemmed from heterosexuality and that's okay but it's just like there's the internal bias that the like you said when queerness is brought into the conversation like people are like hold on record scratch the jazz music has stopped like
1: <laughs> they're like is it bdsm is it whips and chains and wax candles and i feel like that's what people want it to be all the time uh <laughs> Uh, and sorry, it's haven't... intentional sex. I'm just joking. I'll stop. Yeah, it's, you know, we know where the clitoris is. I don't know. Um, has your husband found it? Is that the vacation? <laughs> All right, prior, sorry.
0: We're, we're talking too much shit. Uh, please weigh in.
2: Lean, <laughs> f- lean forward. <laughs> it's such a vac- I'm done. Um, well, I, I, w- I will say this. I think and, to play the other side, sometimes I do wonder why does identity, like, why does any identity matter, right? It's sort of like, if not just your gender identity, what's your, what's your you know, ethnic identity, what your, um, the idea that we live in a world that is so binary and so kind of uh, has historical, you know, context around how we um, categorize and, and put people into boxes oftentimes and so, There is the idea that, right, like once a person finds out that you have a specific ancestry, how they might refer to you or talk to you is like, oh, oh, I didn't know that you were Russian. Well, you know what? I have some Russian things that, you know, people want to try and find ways to uh, build community with you. And I think sometimes the personal qualities, I think what Kylie said, too, around like attractiveness, not in the terms of, you know, intimate attraction, but just how I connect and how I you know build uh, build relationships with others is attached to what i know about you and how i can um put you into the boxes that are you know what what's my chosen identity for you versus when you know i'm corrected to be able to say okay this is this doesn't align with how you appear this doesn't align with how you know it's a misinterpretation that i've had that now i feel confused and you know, it's conflates all of my relationship with you because now it's, I didn't expect that I might have to speak a certain way around you. I now have to, I may have some specific uh, trauma that's attached to something about you now. And then I have to be mindful of that. And it's sort of like, people don't want to be mindful. They don't, and I think people generally, they they let down their guard to be able to say, um, almost like a, not assigning an identity if we if I feel like we're all the same thing right it's the kind of frat sorority mindset around like we're all the same (laughs) we all kind of identify as the same thing we're all very uniform and homogenous and now you've thrown you know a match into this this uh, bonfire um for now I have to identify you as something that's not homogenous and I'm not used to that I don't know what to say I don't know if I'm if I'm being you know rude I don't I have all these questions um and it starts to you know it's it's it, it starts to be very frustrating for everyone in this space because now it's uncomfortable with the, the person is putting the discomfort in it. and I think yeah I think masking, you know, a lot of the times what our identity is, it's right, it's coming people don't generally people of privilege don't have have never had to mask their emotions, they've never had to mask their feelings, they've never had to, and so now they are forced to kind of, oh I can't, I'm now in a space where I'm not equally um, I'm not dominant anymore to be able to express how I come in, I can't come in and say, hey guys that's, that's just how I talk and it becomes, you know, now you can't say that um, you have to adjust your language and, and people of privilege don't want to adjust their language, they want to, they don't want to adjust their expectations, they don't want to. And so I think it happens in a lot more conversations when you have dominant, you know, um, dominant identities that are, you know, you work in a space where you're the one of only, so, you know, one of one of none, basically, you're the one of one um and that idea of let me ask every single question of like how do women do this how do women do that how do men do this how does what does it mean you're pansexual how does that work where do you go like like, like, like all questions that people start asking like why you asking all the questions make yeah. it a
1: statement. <laughs> assume it. assume, it. <laughs> assume it.
2: the questions it's like uh maybe you know if you know this I've always wondered to myself why don't you go dominant Identities don't want to do research. They don't want to ask in an intimate setting. They, you know, they want people to conform. And if you don't, get lost. And so, yeah, it, it sucks I, in that way. I think it's also
1: rare that people. I i, I think there's there is a certain type of person who totally feels confident in saying, you know what, that's like my personal life. I don't really want to have to talk about my personal life at work because if I'm sending you emails and spreadsheets, I don't want to have to think that. You know, you're know, you thinking about what I'm doing at home when I really need you to focus on this project. And for some people that might be really easy to say. For other people, just even having the question can be so anxiety inducing um, that they're just like, ah, I'm already struggling with this human interaction. I'm already like worried about what you're going to be talking to my coworkers about or possibly my boss or what their personal biases are in this common workspace. I would just rather not have to deal with it. And so there's some people who are just going to be like, nah, I don't I don't want to answer that question.
0: It's always and, like, for uh, me, I'm like, whenever somebody asks me about my life, it's already offsetting that I tell people like, what, what do you do with your free time? I went on this lavish brunch. And I'm like, I literally just played video games all weekend. They're like, uh, uh, uh. And I'm like, I, you asked, I answered, you need to embrace my answer. You forgot the lavish charcuterie boards, though. Oh, I'll make myself a lavish charcuterie board while playing (laughs) Tears of the Kingdom. Fucking watch me. (laughs) I will But anyway, like, I think I get really upset where it's like, I'm like you, what you just said, Kai. It's like, I, first of all, when I'm at work, (laughs) because we're using this as our vessel today, I don't really want to hear about none of it. (laughs) Sorry, like, not to say that I'm like a heartless hoe, but I'm just like, I... Like, if you are somebody who has caused me problems by putting work on me and then you start talking about your lavish vacations, I, I don't care. Like, I don't want to talk about it because, like, I really... It's not that I don't want to be compassionate about your life, but you're, like, taking up my time in this eight-hour day to talk to me about this for, like, 45 minutes. Like, please don't do that. Like, I came here to do a job and to go home and play more video games like, leave me alone. Um, so even, like, sometimes the forcing of, like, telling me about your life can just be, like, really anxiety inducing because I didn't ask. And, again, this is not applicable to all personalities in the workplace. Like, this is just particular to the people who overexert it. And then when they hear differences on how they live their life, that they get discomforted by it. Sorry, that was so specific and kind of petty, but that's where I'm at right now. <laughs>
2: uh, no, I... I... I, I jokingly say this but i'm like i don't professionally i'm one of those kinds of people i don't it's the way sadly it's the way i've been oriented because that's how my father was like people we would come to something you know my after i don't even know like when i was a kid or something we go to an event people were like i had no idea you had kids or you had to and my, my father's been married for 40 years um Hardly anybody even knows it in his professional space. Like maybe they know he's been married, not for that long. They don't know he has children. Like we see people out at the mall that he works with. We don't. Uh, uh, they they are shocked. And I very much have the same thing. Like you will not. I will be standing next to you know a significant other in a space and nobody will know. And I do it artistically too because I don't like it, artistically is my profession too. So I just am like artistically. I don't tell. I just don't want to discuss any part of my identity at all. Like, you don't need to know where I'm from. You don't need to know. If you know my real name artistically, I don't think anybody in my entire city knows my real name. I have been in spaces where people have called me Tia, which is not my real name, but people have called me that, and people are like, who is Tia? Oh, it's Prowess. Yeah, if you chat GPT me, because you will not find a damn thing out in a professional setting, because it's just, I just like to eliminate, like, the the bias of what you're always, you're already going to get, just being how, you know, because I present this way, you know, um, and so, yeah, I'm just like, yep, won't get anything, but good luck with that, I'm going to make up some stories, what did you do this weekend, girl, you know what, it was the weekend, um, I went to Hilltown, where is that, I don't even, it's, it's made up, okay, I went to... <laughs> It's from hey, y'all don't give you if you watch, you know what I'm talking about. You know I'm
1: yes, be like water, my friend. Um,
2: <laughs> be like no, water, it,
1: <laughs> and it is interesting because there's respectability politics at play whenever you start to bring up, you know, your own personal gender identities and sexual preferences and then there's also the backlash of wanting to live out loud and then the lines of okay what is my professional life versus my private life um and do those you know moralities match um so fascinating because there's so many different things and i think it really also depends on the field that you work in whether or not it's safe for you to even oh no
2: oh no we lost our sis
1: <laughs> damn it she is doing so well she's doing so and have I like... sex be a conversation <laughs> there you are how did i get no no you're doing great <laughs> i got lost in the sauce yeah How? you're okay. I was like, where did it where did y'all lose me
0: um well you've always been here the whole time in our hearts oh.
1: Ah, she said, never. <laughs> but like as a massage therapist, being uh, conflated with sex work, tr- like historically has been uh, something that we, as a field, a profession of like trying to move away from, trying to get standardized, trying to be recognized uh, nationwide, trying to get the proper pay uh, for the amount of education that goes into that field and profession having the conversation of sexual identity, uh, sometimes it feels like just another hurdle, which is damaging because, you know, as individuals, we all want to be able to live out loud and out proud. Uh, And then it comes to this conversation of masking at work, right? Do you take off all your colorful garb and your uniform is black and you just stick to the uniform? Uh, Do you choose to show up as just your personal everyday self and not wear a uniform, you have your own personal uniform, your main character energy, do you bring that to your own brand? Do you work for yourself and can afford to do that? Um, Or do you have to conform? There's so many things that go into that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. what has has your struggle been like for that because I know like I've always been very like obviously queer like I just I cannot hide it (laughs) and so I do not hide it um and it's like I've seen your character arc and your growth and like this iteration of you like I'm so happy to see oh thanks I really am. Like you, 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 she's bringing out her colors. She's bringing out her her earrings, her nerddom in all of her spaces and just being like, ah, I am who I am and you're going to embrace me. And still, I'm also professional and you're going to respect me. And, you know, embracing your bi identity. I remember three years ago having the coming out conversation on the podcast of what it meant for you to come out as, like, a bi person. Um, and so, like, now it's just not even a thing like we're just we are a queer podcast that's yeah who we are. yeah
0: i i don't feel like how i embrace like my sexuality is like saying like i'm bi it's it's funny because it's like some days i'm like is it really me being bi or is it me being like really pan right because like sometimes there's it even because sometimes there's even a binary that's addressed with being bi it's like it's exclusively boy and girl or those who are like men or women but really,
1: some- him.
0: yeah. But really, it, it sometimes it could just be that it's like maybe I just like the person for who they are, um, and maybe there's a style of person that I'm not really attracted to, right? Because there's sometimes I see there's different types of women that I'm like I'm really not attracted to that, and then there's other women where I'm like I'm very attracted to that. Um, So what is it really, you know? And that's kind of like the start of it. Like you start one way and sometimes it just evolves into like how you perceive the world. Does it mean I'm out there like having like rogue sex right now? No. (laughs) Um, As I've discussed on this podcast, I'm very committed to my partner who is a man who is a heterosexual. Um, And like we have a very beautiful, ever so blossoming relationship between each other. Like and we enjoy each other's company. Like they're not really any like intimacy problems or problems that like you know some couples will like broadcast out there like and i'm not saying this like like to downplay like how relationships work but i feel like i'm not in for it to be absolutely transactional i'm like really in there for like for companionship and partnership and so that's how i've been just kind of like viewing it um but anywho yeah i A lot of the times with like kind of like how I navigate the world was just a lot of like protecting myself, right? Like right time and place is always for it. Like when I was in high school, I don't think I would have identified as such because I was so against being sexual in general because I was scared about what to encounter at home. Like I was not in a safe space to be truly authentic or to express myself in a certain way. And so, like, I really had to hide anything that would have been, like, even me trying to say, like, oh, I'm talking to this boy. Like, I can't even, like, say that aloud because of how, like, I wouldn't even call tease or bullying, but, like, just, like, how I felt, like, treated differently, right? Like, I'm still the same person who likes to play video games, watch anime after school. I will still do my homework. I will still go to band practice. But because I insert the idea that there is a person involved a person that I might have a sexual relationship with was just this whole, like flipped the whole mood in my house. And so like, I had to hide that a lot. And then same thing in community college, it was the same thing. Like I didn't really share. I did have a very short term relationship with a high school friend of mine, uh, for about a couple months. And then like, we broke up because you know, like it just didn't work out. He moved to Texas and I stayed in California. Um, But, like, even with, like, being with him just felt very sneaky because it's, like, as much as, like, I was able to be my full self around, like, his sisters and the friends that we were surrounded by, I couldn't really bring that home. And it took a long time before, like, it took a long time, not us, like, hanging out, but, like, it took him a long time to actually, like, maybe meet my family. Um, Even though we were official for two months, there was a lot of, like, prequel to that. Like, so... For him to come around, my family was kind of a big deal but even then i was treated absolutely differently and like very much so i felt outcasted and expected to fail like there was this whole thing that i was expected to fail and failing looked like having these like shitty arguments with this person which i never had it was actually very loving between me and the first person i was with um it was very gentle um but like the perception was like, Oh, you're going to have a baby, which is considered failing or, Oh, you're going to have, have this. So it's like, even with like, with me being with somebody, although those, those things, accusations were probably coming from a place of protection. It really felt made me feel like less as a human and made me feel like, like I was not capable of having something. And so even through college, like I was just terrified of even getting close with people or even like the people who were around me were just like there to take. And it's just like, well, what what does even being in a relationship mean? Like, what does my sexuality actually mean? So I just had to ask myself all these questions, which is kind of, you know, you go into your ho phase being like, I don't want to get connected with anybody because everybody's just dumb. And then people are just going to make assumptions of me anyway, whether if I'm in a relationship or not. And depending if it's a woman or a man, doesn't matter. So like, all to say, um, there was also the fact too, that i was on survival mode in college and so even being expressive of like what's going on in my personal life was just really hard in general because like i had to find a job i had to support myself i didn't really get a lot of foundational support in college at all i was like scrounging around even when i've had to ask for financial help i was not, not by my mom who probably is listening to this podcast but i was like laughed at by other family members being like Oh, there's no way i can help you even though like me taking off to college they'll say things like oh of course i'll help you and then when i actually reached out for help they were not there and so like i was just on survival mode the entire time so that means going into workplaces where i had to protect my identity i had to protect myself i had to conform because i couldn't afford to get fired and i couldn't afford to not live somewhere um and even living in my car which I did not really do but got really close to that point like i didn't have ac i didn't have anything so it's just like i had to repress myself a bunch because i had to protect myself and for my own security so all to say like it's kind of interesting like i couldn't even like flourish in my sexuality because i was too worried that i was going to fail and i was too worried that i was going to fall on my ass and not be able to uh pick myself up again if I were to expose too much of myself. Now I'm in a better position, like I feel well supported. I feel like I have a pretty solid foundation. And now with feeling comfortable and feeling secure, like that's where I can feel a little bit more authentic to myself. It's funny how that correlates, right? Like if you feel secure in yourself, that's when you can feel a little bit more artistic. You can feel more, um, you can flourish in your identity, whether if you want to present as queer or not, even with me wearing more colors, wearing all these different earrings, changing my hair, like that's a place out of comfort, right? That's not a place out of me feeling like I'm about to like lose everything in my life. Um, and so that's what the terms were for me. And so now that like I'm more comfortable, I can tell people like, yeah, I'm in a part, I'm in a re- wonderful relationship with cash, but I am bisexual or maybe in a few days it might turn into pansexuality. Who knows, but that's the beauty of sexuality is like you get to mold yourself based off of what how you authentically feel. It's not necessarily like you're stuck in one box. You you get to express yourself how you, how you feel, right? So um, anyway, that's just kind of where I'm at with that. Sorry, that was over explanation of the question that you asked, but yeah. It's fluid. So cool. Like what Jopium said,
1: it's fluid. Yeah, it's fluid. So I had a question for prowess. Miss <clears throat> Sky God. Yeah. <clears> throat> the, okay. she said the, the throatiest <laughs> of godiest. Um. So as women, because we, we all identify as women here, to me gender is not as important, but growing up and coming from religious backgrounds and having sex be something that was taboo to talk about even generally, whether or not it was heterosexual sex or just just sex in general. And having it feel more transactional or like the expectation of you know, if you're a woman, you're trading sex for security. Um, what was that journey like for you as an artist and because you talk openly in in your art about coming out of that mindset so how does that yeah
2: I you I uh, when I um we talked about getting to college and feeling you know starting to blossom I think I got to college much of my orienting as a as someone who you know my family is very deeply in the church not necessarily that it's spiritually connected or or religious connected for them it was influence connected it was because it was their place of influence um and affluence was attached to that right sort of like we you know this family has to preserve its um of its of its space i come i mean for people that know what jack and jill of america is i come from a very jack and jill of america family that vacationed in Martha's vineyard and just you know it's very that kind of um black excellence that you that is frown frowns upon uh non-chastity and uh, uh, mer- uh, children out of wedlock all of these things that i broke the door open on in my family, <laughs> but um uh, especially being an artist because it was just like my i would meet people who were nothing similar to what i was experiencing in my own sort of Journey to discovering what blackness was, what what my racial and ethnic identity was, um, but I think out of that came going to college. And when I got to college, I realized that I was in a I was a, in a very sort of I went to a PWI, a predominantly white institution, and going to it, real I you know realized all these uh, you know very wealthy. Um, white women who had been in boarding schools and were singing, they all knew the words to Lil' Kim. I had no idea what I had. I wasn't even allowed to listen to it. And I remember thinking to myself, like, y'all, they all knew the lyrics, and it frustrated me in some way. I, I thought, how much we place as an anchor on like chastity of young Black women because, or women of color, because your innocence and your, the respectability politics is attached to your you're you know ch- being chased or not whether or not you're your sexual um or you're hypersexual how your body is made how your body is shaped all of those things um you become less innocent the more voluptuous the more curvy the and then it just goes from downhill from there the more you're attracted people consider your attraction level right so it's like all of those things that i think i was deeply badly programmed with and having the freedom that i got out of that space of just being around White women who were able to do the same thing, who were able to to express themselves and their sexuality very openly, very um, sort of resoundingly. And that changed, I think, the narrative for me around like, wait a second. Like, they could talk, they, you know, I had a friend, she'd come in and she'd be like, everybody grab your ankles, you know, and it was just like, it was her thing. And she's the, you know, CEO of a very well known nonprofit now. Like, nobody ever thinks about the fact that, like, yeah she was telling people to grab her ankles um but that just kind of opened it up for me to be able to speak more frequently because i'm like i then i kind of became i think more open about it with them it was like i could speak more freely and talk and explore what even the whole phase it was like the extra the new phase of mitosis whole phase exists for every person and we need to experience that. Yes.
0: Out, you, you know, <laughs> Wait, can you say that one more time? Just say that <laughs> one more time. I think that not wasn't glossed over, but I just need to hear it one more time.
2: Yes, there's a phase of mitosis called whole phase, you know, so you got the prophase and you got the anaphase. Whole phase is a requisite part of your D like the DNA has to go through this. Um, and so you it, it is a necessity. It is a scientific necessity, and I think everybody has to explore that side and get comfortable with it. Um, so that for me was like me getting comfortable with my, with who I am and understanding why I make the decisions I make and how I make those and then being able to just talk about it. Yes, I will tell people I'm the sorceress of the orifice. I am the Sun tzu of the tongue Fu. So, Cause <laughs> those are things that I like.
1: <laughs> the Sun
2: Tzu of
1: the Tung are y'all still with us? We're ho
0: on this podcast. We're ho He
1: said yes.
0: Safely, <laughs> we're
2: but we're ho Yes. Yeah. It's a Michael Wars. thing. You just can feel good to be able to say, listen, this has to happen cellularly. Genetically, we are predispositioned for ho It happens.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I remember back at MacFest when, when O-Super was rapping in the hotel room. And then after every line, like we just repeated the line. Like I just want us to do that to say, "Ho, face, oh, mitosis." Hey. <laughs>
2: like, be a uh, ho before you a pro. That's right, Joe.
0: That's right. Be a ho before you a pro. Joe P.M. bars. Well, where's your album at? <laughs> oh,
2: yeah.
1: Jopium would have a sick album for sure. I would
2: love, I, I would love, love a it.
1: Jopium music video. Yes.
2: Yes.
0: Yes. We're, we're here for you, Jop.
2: <laughs> speaking it
0: into existence.
1: We're, we're speaking it, not it.
0: jinxing it speaking, it.
1: speaking it. Speaking it. Right.
0: Um, all right, let's go ahead and wrap up. Uh, we will talk about one more segment, but we'll keep it nice, short, and sweet. Just kind of uh, treat it as our nice little closure. Um, where are we? Where are we? We are here. We are here.
1: We're, we're just nerds. Just nerdy.
0: Yes. So just, nerd. just nerdy. So, um, that was a very good topic, y'all, just to say, like, that was great. So comfort yeah. shows. Yeah. What is your comfort show? So I will kick it off real quick. I'm just going to say it very, very nice and short and sweet. Like, I used to have a comfort show that I would go to, which was, uh, Shameless, <laughs> which oh. shouldn't be comforting <laughs> at all. It was, it was basically out of pocket the whole time. Um, oh my gosh, where are we? We are here. We are doing this thing. Sorry. I'm just fixing myself real quick. So Shameless was my comfort show for a while where I would just go back and watch episodes. Um, and the reason for that, it was, like, it was just so captivating, like, how much nonsense would go on with this family. Like, they would just do out-of-pocket things to really just piss each other off. But at the end of the day, it just for some reason worked out for them. Like, I don't know how it worked out for them, but it worked out for them. So... <laughs> um <laughs> It's just one of those shows I like to keep going back to because it's just like it really it doesn't put you on the edge of your chair, but you're like, oh, my God, them again. Like, of course, they're doing this shit again. Like they're just they're just going to get into some shit like the way that my favorite episode from Shameless is the one I think it was like from the last season that Debbie Debbie had a baby and she did not want to share her baby with the father's family. And so instead of sending her redheaded child, she paid a girl from the playground to use her younger sister, another redheaded child to go to their house. And the reason why she did that is because she thought, like, Oh, well, all redheaded children look the same. This baby's a toddler. They're not going to know the difference. And this is a Mexican family. They're just going to think all white children look the same. So that was her kind of like (laughs) thought. And, um, basically she paid the older sister of that redheaded child to replace her child with this family. So she sent the imposter child with the dad side of the family. And it turned out that that redheaded kid was just a terrible child that she would just like light things on fire. She would just like make everything a mess, like a trained three-year-old arsonist. I don't know. But like anywho, it was just really captivating. And it's just like, it always left me on the edge of my seat because you're just... That's just, like, the thing that you take away from the show. It's, like, as much as there's a couple of heartfelt moments, the whole show is just nonsense. It's kind of like, not Parks and Rec, but um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia where you're just like, I don't expect anything good from these people. These people are just nonsense. So, anywho, that's my comfort show. And I'll pass the torch to Prowers.
1: Prowers.
2: Oh, I would say... um... I've had I've had several. I feel like it used to be uh, Grey's Anatomy because it was just like you, you know, it's so it there are so many ridiculous moments on that show and so many deaths, so many things you can start getting attached to a character. All of a sudden, it's like they're gone. Um, that Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, um, which I liked a lot because Tina Fey and uh 30 rock uh the 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 producer from both of those shows uh produces that and that is just unbreakable chemistry it is it's just perfect it's it's um you know (laughs) it's big apple it's like um is this funny i don't know it's like cult leader stuff it's 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 very interesting it's just the most funny thing Um, and then it's when I'm, you know, I don't know, when I need some true comfort, I also go back to like watching, you know, make DBZ, like The Office, Golden Girls, like those are things that are like, you know, it's like classic things that make me feel better. I will watch Sailor Moon. My son is always like, I know what day it is today, you know, (laughs) because he knows I must be like, I need something. Um, I need to have my moment, right? It's like I know who's not coming in to bother me because they know when that when when you see any of these shows on, you know where I'm at. So I think there's yeah, those are for me like just kinda like maybe the nostalgic piece of like I need to go back into a moment, get that jolt of serotonin and I'm good. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love that for you. And then Kylie. <laughs>
2: I, I swear to God, if you all...
0: answer saying, like, it's not TV, that's my comfort, I'm like, I'm going to shut down this podcast.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Y'all already know, like, it is the guilty pleasure now as an adult to be like, oh, Buffy the Slayer. It's still Buffy. It's still Buffy. It's still Angel. It's still Charmed. Uh, it's still yeah. Firefly. Uh, yeah. It's still, and also, like, queer as folk the first two yeah. seasons uh, the L Word the original series, like the next generation I'm still watching and dipping my toes into, but the original L Word, still my comfort show um, Avatar The Last Airbender is still my comfort show yeah. Naruto is still my comfort show it, even though it's a thousand episodes <laughs> long, that's still my show, Bleach is still my show Bleach is good um,
2: Bleach and... is good.
1: Yeah, Bob's Burgers is still the comfort show because, like, when I'm really, like, I don't want to have to think, it'll be Bob's Burgers. If I don't want to have to process my Joss Whedon guilt, then it'll be Bob's Burgers.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But when I'm, like,
1: really down and don't give a single solitary fluff, it's Buffy. It's... Praise be it to
0: uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Thank you so much. Praise
1: be. And I will choose the faith seasons. I'll choose the queerest seasons. I will choose the Willow and Tara seasons. Give me all the queer love. Yes. Happy pride. At least once a year we're, we're running through Buffy. Mm.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Thank you for your takes ladies. Um, Yeah. It's, Those are all good shows and all very worth the comfort, especially if you need to just shut your brain down and just be like, yes, I know what's going on in this timeline. That's all I need to do is just kind of melt and just relax and this is the way to relax. So I appreciate that. So going into kind of some of the closing segments of today's podcast, um, let's celebrate a couple of things real quick. So Nora Grime, First of all, kudos to them. This is uh, Bill Beats and Shabzilla, their duo. Um, honestly, we wouldn't have a Twitch show without Nick, so like, thank you, Nick, for always giving me the tutorial. Yeah, uh, you really saved the day. Um, they just came out with uh, a new album. Prioris, What is it called?
2: It's called Late Checkout, and it's dope. And um, but what I what I have to say is they also have a Noir grime Hotel. So if you uh, go to <laughs> Noirgrime.com and it, when, you, when you go to Noirgrime.com, um, if somebody types that in the chat, go to Noirgrime.com and experience the hospitality hall that is the Noir Grime Hotel. Um, it's, it's lovely. Oh. And, um, yeah.
0: I didn't realize that they actually had a hotel. Let me check this out.
2: You you might have to go through a different link. Um, Hold
0: on. That's okay. We'll find it and we'll get there. Yeah. But what's very uh, incredible about this album is that there's so many features and so many features from the people that we love and know on the show. Um, Some people that we know, such as uh, Lord Zaybe.
2: Yes.
0: Lord Zaybe, who has definitely won a sex voucher in previous episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um and who do we who else do we have? We have Navi as well as Damn celine on the same track which
2: yes like Hellowyno all over again which is like great to have a Hellafino reunion just out of the blue um <laughs> for people that know about the VPC and Hellowyno uh their their uh dominance in the vpc that's exciting swell rail the grayson fam yeah, gross angel oh my oh super so, yes oh super
0: uh, uh don't forget uh yours truly not yours truly but this yes. woman uh prowess is yes. over here like slamming it down on the
2: track yes. like and she left LaMaria leave Carey. yeah
0: no crumbs yes. ever
2: yeah. <laughs> and Messiah Carey, got, I got to be on a track with Messiah Carey. I've wanted to be on a track with them for a long time. Um, one of my favorite MCs, just period, just like one of my favorite creators. And so it was nice that we, we finally got a track together. It was like, yes, we did it. Um, so, yeah.
0: I don't know. Anytime you rap, progress, I'm just like, I feel like uh, me, an audience member, me, a listener is always like being told to sit down and eat my food. Like, like... <laughs> Anytime you wrap, you're like, you're going to sit down and you're going to enjoy this. So <laughs> shut up and listen.
1: <laughs> I feel like I'm at a Gallagher show and I should prepare to get wet because...
2: I... <laughs> I, lo- I love that uh, Shumzilla and Bill Beats let everybody sort of be them and bring what their, you know, just essence was. And the- during, this was recorded during um all of their moments on the road but a lot of probably 99 percent of this album was recorded at Magfest and so a lot of these verses were captured there. Um or the Gross Angels verses and Osuba were not at um, magfest. But everybody else that you can hear right some of the the uh background has some of those hotel moments and it was very interesting because their room sat under the atrium and trying to get in there and uh you know I was very you know I was I got the chance to record with with Bill Beast which was like my first time actually in person recording with Bill Beast and I thought it was really fun because you know I, I always have the uh I, I mess with Zilbees a lot of the times that it's like, he's a secret, like, you know, he will he will beat you if you don't get the, get the beat <laughs> or I'm gonna beat you, you know? So it's like, we're, we're trying to get everything recorded and it's like, maybe like seven minutes ahead of uh, the MPC Collective set sh- that, that shoves is starting off the show or one, you know, um, first or second performer. And it's like, we gotta be downstairs. You can one take this prowess, you got it. And then I get in there and I'm like, look, I, oh do it again one more time and then you know bill Beats gives me this look beat i will i'm gonna beat you with the bill (laughs) get the bill or i'm gonna beat you and you know and then i nailed it so i'm like bill Beats will get you whipped in shape if you if you need to william william stanzas will pop you um but yeah i think there was so much fun and like the energy of that where you're just like we get to laugh and like make jokes and like you know i'm recording and like in between we're like cracking up and stuff and you know running down and we see oh uh see uh oh my coming out and he's like where are y'all running from and we're oh we're trying to get down with the believer i'm just casually he's part of the set and he's just like casually bringing his bag down we're like okay we're not late so there was a lot of fun stuff i think that was in the joy of the memories and the friendship which i love that they celebrate. And, and Shubzilla will say this, I'm not saying it on her behalf, but I will say on her behalf, she does not collaborate with a lot of folks. So, it is an honor, you know, to be a part of this style collaboration album, which is like, you know, it, it says that you're among the company.
0: Yes. I, yeah, I working with Shubs is a whole thing. Like, if you work with Shubs, you are blessed and lucky, because we all know that she is very, very particular, but reasonably particular. Um, like she does not, she, how would I put this? She is one of the first in the nerdcore like community, like one of the first to like, kind of like, she basically, she said, I'm going to walk where everybody can run. And so like, but she's like, do you better not be running over me? Like, you know what I mean? So <laughs> So I I do appreciate the legacy that she kind of set forth for a lot of folks in Nerdcore. And so just like, it's really great to see that there's a new album out, that she actually let a lot of room go for the features in there, which is incredible. Um, So I would love to see more work like that, because we all know that she can kill it on stage.
2: Yeah.
0: The floor work, the floor work.
2: The floor work.
0: All right. And then another thing that I will like to announce as well, um, is that do better fest is coming out. Uh, do better fest is hosted by Joey Z 64 is the username. And so I really do love what Joey does with like his, uh, concert series every year. Like he, or sorry, not he, they will, um, you know, make sure to do it as a fundraiser. Um, and that they, the, the fundraiser is always dedicated to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so this year it will be happening on June 30th. Make sure you keep track with Josie's jo- social. So that way you can get the link to chime in. And usually it's a really good time. So, um, I'm not sure what the lineup is for that, but prior this, I heard you said that you were performing for that.
2: I'm performing. I'm, I'm sure a lot of the folks that have performed in the, and you know, I know, um, uh, Jam Salinas performing. So a lot of other, uh, Stony Burtz is performing, like a lot of people that have done it do better um, in prior years, it's like, you know, you gotta make it three is the charm. You gotta be in the third year. Um, But, you know, I love the fact that same, that the proceeds all go to the Brave Space Alliance, um, which is a a nonprofit that helps individuals as they're going through their uh, journey. Um, in terms of like family support, where they may, where people may get kicked out, don't have a place to go, they may not have resources, they may not um, know ac- have access to sort of gender affirming care, like all these different things that Brave Space Alliance uh, does, um, and they're um, in Chicago, but uh, or the based in Chicago, but I mean they they have helped folks. They're on the south side of Chicago at that, so. You can imagine the, the amount of work that they are doing um, in communities that really needed to be affirming and culturally competent. Um, so yeah, I love that.
0: I just found the the Twitch page for Do Better Fast. so I'm going I'm going to put it in the chat. Yeah, follow for thirtieth.
2: And I'm going to put the Noir Grime Hotel link in the chat um, too, <laughs> so people can get a chance to experience the Late Check, the the, the Grime Hotel. It's an immersive. It yes. It's an immersive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it would be really cool if they did like, I mean, I don't want to ask too much, but you know, it would be kind of hilarious to have like a VR, like a VR set, like you just actually walk through the hotel. Yeah.
2: Gosh. Can you imagine? It's, uh, have, have, well, if anybody has seen, there's a Tupac video, or it's actually an Eric Sermon video. I don't remember. The Temptations. Oh, it's a Tupac video. It's when he was in jail. But, you know, they go in the... the uh, Coolio is pushing the cart through the hotel. I don't know if anybody remembers that. an old school video. But mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do something like that where it's like, ooh, it's kind of like Slither and kind of like a little bit like voyeuristic, you know? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, look... We're- we know some game designers, we know some people, we could we could whisper in some ears and make this happen because how fun would it be to walk to the hotel and find little like tape decks or records like each room you could really explore the album. Like yeah, okay. I'm here for it, little treasure hunts. And of course, I, I want some shoves side eye. I want shoves in a hookah room smoking somewhere. <laughs> I wanna be able to smoke
2: hookah with shoves. I want a hookah room too, yeah. Can you I want a art hookah de- room art deco? room where you're just like relaxation and and reservation, and like you gotta have some like some uh, some cardio up in there. Right, it's so much fun. I want to <laughs> dig
1: through the crates with Bill. I want, I want it. I want to do
2: that. Oh my goodness! I I just want to see the rooms that Kadesh would be in because I know that that,
1: <laughs> that would be bombastic side eye. <laughs> <laughs> With
0: the
2: nail painting station somewhere, like yes, yes, yes,
0: absolutely. It would be kind of cute to see everyone's own personalized hotel room. See how they arrange there. So, what's chaotic for me is like to know what type of person you're with, or to see what type of person you are at a hotel. Is to see how they unpack in a hotel room. And I wanted yeah. to see, like, the different versions of that. Like, Kylie's over here using the dresser drawers and shit. I'm like, girl. <laughs> but I... <I'm...
1: laughs> I like to be established.
0: <laughs> I, I would get scared to leave something behind. That's why. It's not you. It's the fact that I'm like, I would never... Because I'm scared to leave things behind. So I need to see things out in the open, which makes me the worst uh, hotel person. All right. Moving along. Um, so... With all that being said, I think we had a wonderful episode today. Ladies, thank you so much. For those who are here, don't forget to follow us on the socials. Lady Blurred's Pod. Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. You'll find us somewhere. Um, Don't forget to find us on the RSS feed. We have a whole catalog of old podcast episodes there, ready to be listened to. And other than that, I hope everyone has a wonderful Sunday. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see y'all next time. Bye, bye, bye,